Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to the Believe in Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. As always, I got my co-host, Lamont Jordan, former New York Jet running back with me. Lamont, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Jets are coming off a hard-fought loss to the Miami Dolphins. They're fighting to the very end. Also got a handful of COVID issues that they're dealing with right now, which we will get into. But I know we were talking off air. You said you had some things from the Miami game that you wanted to go over. So I'm going to let you have the floor. Tell us what you saw. Um, First of all, hello to everybody. First thing I saw was that this was a very winnable game. It was. You know, this 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 was a winnable game. And, and I really think that um, the Jets let this one get away from them. You know, we talked in the show last week, and I talked about how tackling is going to be a huge key to this game. And once again, it reared its ugly yep. head. Um, I think the the first thing that, that I'll talk about was, I believe was my first point last week, was I would love to see them put Zach Wilson under center more. And if you look at that first drive, they sprinkled in a lot of, I think they had five runs or five plays where they were lined up under center. You know, first drive, a lot of under center. They had great execution. Um, Wilson was still late. You know, he was still late on a lot of throws, but they were still able to get a touchdown out of that drive. And so when I look at that first drive, I'm thinking to myself, okay, great. You know, they're mixing in the run. We got Coleman. We have Carter back. This thing is looking really good. Um, second drive, you get, you, you, I mean, you get great field position on the second drive, but then you come out and run all pretty much all shotgun plays, no under center, poor execution. And we know what the result was on that one. Um, and, and then there was a, there was a, a third and three on the third drive. Those are third and three that Cole, he just drops the ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on now. You have a struggling quarterback. I think that Wilson did a great job of stepping up, firing the ball in there. It was a, it, to me, it was the perfect pass because it hit him right in stride, yeah. and he just dropped the ball. Um, and then the last thing I have to say before the half, uh, last drive before the half, there was just poor decision making. They ran a trick play. First of all, they ran a number of trick plays throughout the course of the game. I think that they did a great job of executing for the most part. I think Cole underthrew Wilson. I think he yes, had he a did. tough run. He was wide open. Wide open, but they run a reverse pass trick play. They get the ball down the field to, to Berrios. They pick up the first down. It's the end of the first half. And what do they do? Instead of going in shotgun or, or shot, instead of going with no huddle, they decide to take Berrios out and put Croft in the game. I didn't understand that. You take one of your playmakers off the field to put in your tight end, and then at the end of the drive, you know, they they settle for a punt. That right there to me, I think the Jets had a chance to basically end this game in the first half. But that second drive, you don't go back to your run. End of the first half, you make a play. And for crying out loud, I'm so tired of seeing them take Berrios off the field right now. As far as I'm concerned, if you take Carter and you take Coleman out the game, we already know Moore is not playing. Berrios is your playmaker. He is your playmaker. For some reason, we continue to take him off the field and we put Croft on the field. 
And and it, it's just something that that just just boggles my mind. We have a second and one in the second half, you know, second and one. You have him stop for a three-yard loss, which is about to bring up third and four. And once again, missed tackles. All right. We had Wilson on Wilson sack fumble. Poor, poor job by Carter and pass protection. Anytime a lineman is getting beat and you're back and you see that that lineman is getting beat right away, you have to go up there, sacrifice your body, and you really got to thud that guy. Yep. Carter basically gave him a shoulder, got thrown out of the way. Yes, I would like to see Wilson step up in the pocket a little more, but at the end of the day, it was just it, it was just terrible, ter- terrible by the running back. And we've been talking about this for weeks. I keep talking about this whole college system. This is the National Football League. Okay, run real routes. When I coached in the NFL Collegiate Bowl twice, two years in a row, I had a chance to coach in the NFL Collegiate Bowl, and one year I coached for the AEF. All three of those years were with Mike Martz. And he would lose his mind when wide receivers would do all this dancing crap off the line of scrimmage. On that sack fumble, I'm not going to put that on Wilson. I'm not, not going to I'm going to put a little bit on Carter. But at the end of the day, it was that college, it was that that trashy college stuff where you go back and you watch the film, you're going to see Crowder come off the ball going sideways, sideways. Then he comes in on a slant. All right. He kind of gets knocked off by the inside defender, which makes him have to go around the guy. If you just let Crowder come off the ball like an NFL wide receiver and just run a normal slant, Wilson's eyes were right there. Wilson was waiting for him to come open to that wide open zone. But because we're doing this college stuff where you have a guy jog off of the offensive line, we're looking for this cutesy space. And this is the National Football League. You got a wide receiver in Jamerson Crowder. Let that man come off the ball like an NFL wide receiver and run an NFL slant, and we pick up the first down there. So all in all, um, you look at Hall, he gets beat. He gets beat on the slant route. And to show you how bad he got beat, the ball was thrown behind him. Parker was still able to make an adjustment, snag it in, take a couple of steps, and get get into the end zone. So when I look back at this game, I'm really disappointed. I think early on, offensively, I think it was some great play calling. There was some poor, poor execution out there. I'm talking about poor execution to the point where if a guard just gets up on a linebacker, we may score a long touchdown. I'm talking about wide receivers just running full-speed routes. I'm talking about Zach Wilson just stepping up in the pocket and letting the ball go. I'm talking about Zach Wilson just taking the snap and just getting his the ball out of his hands to the open man. And so that's why I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm really frustrated with this game because this was a winnable game. Yeah, You start the game off showing power football, and we got to give Miami their credit. They made an adjustment in the second half. They started bringing everybody up, like you talked about in the first show. All right, they did some, they dropped them back, all these different things. But at the end of the day, I think that this was more about what the Jets didn't do opposed to what the Dolphins did, and that's why the Dolphins were able to get the win. Yeah, yeah, I completely and totally agree. This was a game to me that the Jets, like you said, they let get away from them, uh, and I'm I'm right there with you. Real quick, I want to go in what you were talking about uh, with your coaching days and your experience, and you had mentioned the name Mike Martz. For people that don't know who Mike Martz is, Mike Martz, was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams when they were the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce and, and all of those guys. You know, this guy is one of the 
masterminds for lack of a better word of modern offensive football and passing games in the NFL and has been for years and was in multiple, multiple areas. Um, So Mike Martz knows what he's doing. And when what you're saying, I completely agree. The one thing that I've seen specifically, I don't, you know what? I will call him out. I'm not going to don't like to be that guy, but I will Denzel Mims. If you don't stop jogging in your routes, there's a, you're not going to have much more of a future on this team. If you're not running your routes full speed, I completely agree with what you're saying with like college offense on that second drive, they get into the red zone and they have a play. Um, I believe it was first and goal. It was either on third down that got them into first and goal, or it was their first play on first and goal. They're running a play action and they're from under center and they have Barrios kind of do a, a check motion where he comes across the field. And then he does a return orbit and goes back out to the other way. And the reads for Zach Wilson are Jameson Crowder running a little stick in route and Barrios to the flat and no one else. And there's nowhere else for him to go. And Crowder is completely swallowed by the zone defenders. And Wilson makes the smart decision quickly forces and gets the ball out to Barrios and makes and runs and gets, you know, X amount of yards on first down because he is our most explosive player right now. But what type of play call is that? What is your goal with that? on first down what is the ideal scenario in which this play works and at the beginning of the game I thought Michael Floor was doing an excellent job I thought his play calling was great I thought he had a read on the defense I thought his script to open the game was dead on we were right on with the under center it was definitely helping you know there was there was a lot that I liked for Michael Floor to start this game and I felt like once the script went away things got harder and it really became more difficult for them to kind of adjust. Now, the one thing that I want to say, this is that was my point. I completely agree with everything that you said. I co-sign all of it. I'm not trying to discredit it. I'm adding to it here. In the second half, which I agree this game got out of hand in the first half, and the Jets could have had a way to put this thing away in the first half and have a, a multi-score lead and be out front. But in the second half, they get the ball to go out and start the second half. I'm pretty sure they were still leading at that point. They still had a lead coming out of halftime. What they did in the second half that I really, really didn't like is they stopped establishing the run. And if they would run the ball on first down and it wouldn't get any more than four yards, they would immediately go into a shotgun pass on second. And it became predictable. It became really, really predictable for the Dolphins defense to load the box on first down and then run their blitz zero and drop out of it on second down and then run blitz zero on third. And Mm -hmm. the Jets offense got shut down in the second half, quite honestly, in my opinion, because they were scared to run the ball against a heavy box where sometimes you call a run on first down and gets you into second and eight or second and seven. Do it again. Mm -hmm. Do it again. Third and five is better than third and seven. Third and four is better than third and seven. Even if you, you, just the attempt, it matters. And I think that they had some opportunities to continue to run the football well, because I thought they ran the football very well early, especially from under center. They had an opportunity to do that more. And I think they got a little too scared away from it. Once their runs stopped getting chunk plays on first down, they got Michael Flores got to be a little more committed to running the ball on second down and get himself into more manageable third down situations, not be so scared of second and seven. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. And th- here's what, you know, this will be my last takeaway from this game. Um, I really think, if I'm not mistaken, Zach Wilson made a comment 
around when he got drafted, something about the Jets winning the Super Bowl. Um, and when I heard that comment, I got worried because you're playing in New York City and they're going to hold on to that statement. You can't come out here and perform the way he's performing. Um, and I'm going to say this. This has to be a huge offseason for him, or I really think that the Jets next year are going to have to consider moving on to another quarterback. Yes, he is a rookie, um, but but you can't keep – it bothers me when he takes the shotgun snap and then he drops back seven yards and sits in the, in the, in the back of the uh, – sits seven yards in the back of the pocket. I mean, there are too many times that he can step up in the pocket. Now, yes, he is a rookie, but these are things that you cannot keep having these same things happen over and over and over again, week after week. Like, I'm not seeing where this guy is getting better. And, and yeah, you can talk about a young offense. You can talk about it. at the end of the day. The fact of the matter is this. I think that the Jets have offensive weapons. I think that coming into next year, I think Carter and, and Coleman are your backs. I think Crowder, Davis, and Berrios have to be your wide receivers, along with Moore. I, I kept Moore out just because he was hurt right now. Um, I think the Jets have offensive weapons. also think that from a play-calling standpoint, I would love to see them get away from this college-style offense. Listen, I watched Jameson Crowder catch a pass, and then he had to tap his helmet and get one. Part of the reason is because they had him running all of these different college motions. I mean, a man must have ran at least at least 250 yards worth of motions. Yeah. All right. No, let that man come off the line of scrimmage and get down the field. And plus, with a team that's going to I mean, listen, at one point, Miami was playing 11 in a box. Basically, when the yep. Jets went to that close, that nasty spirit, uh, nasty sprint. The yep. safeties were no yep. deeper than six to seven yards deep. It's hard to run against that. Although I would like to keep running against it to reinforce the run, set up third and short situations, keep the clock, keep the chains moving. But something has to give. Zach Wilson has to get better. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm putting him on the hot seat right now. I don't care if he's a rookie. You can't keep throwing the ball late to wide open guys. You can't keep just selling, taking seven-yard drops and just sitting in the back of the pocket. It's not helping the offensive lineman out at all. To me, his demeanor on the field is too relaxed. It's too calm, laid back, just want to know. He, he needs to pick it up. And so I'm saying it right now that he has the rest of this season, and I'll give him the first part of next season. But if I'm the Jets, I'm looking at bringing in another quarterback to compete with Zach Wilson for the job because you have weapons. Defensively, you have to get better. I think the linebacker core was horrible. I think, and I know this is a little early, and I'm sure that we're going to talk about, you know, the offseason and things of that nature. Yeah. But you need to get a linebacker in here that's going to blow that's that's going to go and blow up a lineman. There's so many times when you watch these linebackers, and I'm saying this as a running back. There were teams that you watched film and you said to yourself, oh, man, yep. this is going to be a big game. These linebackers want no part of contact with an offensive lineman. They're going to run over or they're going to run underneath blocks. And that's what I've seen all season long. Yes, mostly can make plays if everything is perfect for him. But it's too many times I see a lineman come out to him and it's just too many times that he's getting covered up and blocked. And it's not just mostly. It's the entire linebacker core. So for me. As I look at the remainder of this season, 
then we think about the offseason. I think you got to get a quarterback in here because I'm giving Zach Wilson the rest of this year, and I'm giving him the first few games of next year to correct some of these same mistakes that he makes week after week. Because I'm going to tell you, I think that this is a young team. Um, yes, yes, I am frustrated. Yes, I am disappointed. I think that they have players on this team that this team can compete and win games. But you have to be better. You have to be more physical, more aggressive at the linebacker position. And you need to make sure that you have a quarterback in here. Or Zach Wilson has to make major, major steps the remainder of this season, this offseason, and the beginning of next year. Because right now, I am not sold on Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, actually. Um, I was talking to my co-host of my other show, the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, yesterday, actually. Just having a little discussion with them, planning for our show. And one of the things that I was talking with them about was exactly what you're saying, which is Zach Wilson's going to have to improve. And I was making the comparison between Sam Darnold, where he was at this point in his rookie year, and where Zach Wilson is at this point in his rookie year. Sam Darnold was worlds better than Zach Wilson was at this point. Sam Darnold was much further along, was playing much more improved football, was more accurate to different levels of the field, was just more efficient playing the game. And Darnold had his struggles early, but he was able to finish off the end of his rookie year really well. And I'm not trying to start any of the, the Jets shouldn't have traded Sam nonsense or any of that. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. The point I'm trying to make is the second year leap, especially for quarterbacks, is the big one. That's when you see guys usually make their improvement. That's when you see guys usually make the jump, where if they struggled early, that's when things start to click and they start to get better. Sam Darnold was robbed of his second-year leap because the Jets hired Adam Gase. And any amount of his development or any improvement that he could have had was immediately killed. Zach Wilson is not going to have that. Zach Wilson is going to have his same coaching staff. He's going to have continuity. He's going to be the unquestioned starting quarterback going into next year, at least. Even if they bring in competition, he's still more than likely going to be the starter. There is a better situation for Zach Wilson to make the second-year leap than there was for Sam Darnold. That Mm -hmm. said, Wilson's got a lot more of a leap to make, and he's got a lot more that he's going to have to improve on. What you're talking about with him drifting in the pocket, that's my biggest problem right now. Where among the the, the other ones, because it's not just the only one, Wilson's had his issues and he has to get better. But he needs to learn pocket presence. He needs mm-hmm. to learn being comfortable in the pocket, throwing with guys around him, being able to make the little sh- subtle movements that that keep guys talented and successful at quarterback for so many years. People want to talk about what makes Tom Brady great. There's a bunch of reasons that Tom Brady's great, but the one thing that Tom Brady might be better than anybody in the history of the NFL at is navigating the pocket. It, it's yeah. despite being slow Tom Brady, it's incredibly hard to sack him because mm-hmm. he's so good at moving in the pocket, shifting around, having that sixth sense of where guys are and just being able to, to find throwing lanes. And right now, Zach Wilson just retreats. He just mm-hmm. backs up and it's what he did at BYU. And when you had BYU's, all-star offensive line going against Texas state pass rushers. You can do that, but you can't do that in the NFL. The lines aren't good enough. The pass rushers are too good. The everyone's too fast and and it's just not going to work out. And I do think that what we've seen on the positive is that I think he has potential to get better in this area because he is really, really good at making people miss in the pocket when he tries to do it. He is hard to sack. 
he is really hard to sack. He is elusive. He is able to, to make moves and get out. And we saw the play, like you said, the double reverse where they throw to, they do the pitch to Barrios and he throws back to Zach Wilson. Wilson's got to make two guys miss before he's able to scramble around. And then he finds Ryan Griffin in the flat and it ends up being a game, but that doesn't happen. If Zach Wilson's not making three dolphins players miss, you know, with the backfield by himself, we know he can do it. Now he's got to drill it in. Now he's got to take the time to do it. So I agree. This off season is huge. And if you don't see major improvement, then you have every right to be worried for the future. You have every right to be concerned for the future. But I do think that Wilson, more so than other guys, experience and time is going to help him immensely because he is a raw talent. He is athletic talent to its core. You're just taking this ball of clay right now and you're molding him. And with guys like that, they need time to figure out what they can get away with. They need time to figure out their limits. They need time to figure out exactly when to do the hero ball and when not to do the hero ball. And he's, he's finding that rhythm. And I'm going to make the comparison to these two guys only in terms of play style and progression and not in terms of ceiling or expectations. But if you look at Pat Mahomes and you look at Josh Allen, they had similar situations. Pat Mahomes, we didn't get to see what he looked like as a rookie because he spent a year in practice in Kansas City. And Andy Reid told him, throw whatever you want. If you throw a pick, who cares? It's practice. Learn what you can get away with. Take this immense talent that you have. Take this year in practice. Do literally anything and learn. Pat Mahomes comes out after that, and he plays like Pat Mahomes from then on out because he had that time in practice and a year of reps to, to learn what he could and couldn't get away with and get experience. You look at Josh Allen, however. Josh Allen was very raw coming out of Wyoming. And Josh Allen, as a rookie, was historically inaccurate. Bottom of the NFL history inaccurate as a rookie. And it took him a couple of years where he was making plays off his talent alone, where we saw freshman or rookie season highlights of Josh Allen hurtling Anthony Barr on a scramble. You know, we've those are the plays you see. You see the flashes. And then you see the, the bad that comes with it. Well, three years later, Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He learned to get more accurate. He learned to play more from the pocket. He learned to to be more decisive. He learned to read coverages. And that's not easy. I'm not saying that like it is. And it will take growth from Wilson. But we've seen what time does for these guys. We've seen what patience and experience does for these guys. And I really think that Zach Wilson is going to improve in his second year. I really think that the situation is built for him to improve. How much he improves is yet to be seen. But I do think that he will improve to the point where we will be in the middle of his second season, comfortable that he is the starting quarterback. Will we know the ceiling? Will we know how far things are going to go? No. But I do think that that is eventually going to be the case. The last thing I'm going to end on before we get into the Jags game, which is what you talked about with the linebackers, 100 million percent agree about the linebackers, but this is my thing with CJ Mosley. I think the two years off is catching up to him because mm. he came out this season and he was on fire. He was fully healthy. He was ready to go. He was playing great. Slimmer CJ Mosley was standing up guards in the hole and taking Derrick Henry in the A gap for one yard. And, and now he's getting blown off the ball by the Dolphins offensive line that he really shouldn't be. I think this is, this is now week 14. This is the, the season's dragon. 
you know, when it's, it's easy to be fresh and, and healthy and, and ready to go when you had two years off and you come out early in the season and you're firing on full cylinders. Now I think it's wearing on them. I think this is the end of the year catching up to CJ Mosley in particular. And that's why he's been struggling so much, but I agree. The linebackers got to get better. Zach Wilson has to get better. Uh, overall, there's things that need to change. Uh, let's get into the Jags game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start things off. We got to talk about the Jets COVID problems. There are 18 members of the Jets currently out with COVID, and that includes head coach Robert Sala. Uh, Robert Sala tested positive yesterday. Um, he is possible to still coach this weekend. He would need two negative tests before then. But as of today, Thursday afternoon, I do not think he was at practice. So we will see how that ends up happening. Uh, I'm going to go through the list of all the guys that are out and because it's doozy. You got Michael Carter the second. You got Elijah Moore, who was already out on IR, but also uh, with COVID as well. Elijah Vera Tucker, Foley Fadakasi, John Franklin Myers, Justin Hardy, Hamza Nazaldine, Sherrod Neesman, Jeff Smith, Blake Cashman, Noah Dawkins, Lamar Jackson, Tanzel Smart, Ashton Davis, Jonathan Marshall, and Kenny Uboa. That's a list. That, that's a lot of guys, uh, a lot of important guys. So when you're looking ahead to this game, especially with a, an acting interim head coach, uh, coming in with all these injuries out. I want to know from your perspective, Lamont, because you can provide a, a unique experience here as a player, as someone that was in a locker room where I'm sure you didn't have to experience anything specifically like this, but when you have a lot of guys out, when you have a lot of guys injured, when you have maybe a coach that has to miss a game, what is that locker room like? And what do you guys do to kind of keep things together? I think, well, first of all, I, I can't think of a, a, a situation. And of course, you know, with COVID, you know, nobody's ever experienced this before. But this is a situation where your vets in the locker room, they have to take control of the locker room. And for me, I think the one vet that you look to is a Coleman. Um, you know, he's a guy that has shown that he's a football player. And what I mean by that, meaning I've always, I've said it for weeks, he is the physical presence of the New York Jets. With that said, this is a New York Jets team that has a horrible record that in my position, as far as I'm concerned, next year, there are spots wide the heck open all the way across the board. Maybe you have a couple of wide receiver spots that are locked down. You know, you're going to keep Davis because of his contract. I think right. you bring crowd, you know, you want to keep crowd, you want to keep Barrios. But as far as I'm concerned, I think all the way across the board, you bring in competition. So for me, this week is all about next man up. You know, you got a lot of young players. Do you want to play in the National Football League? You know, you may not return to the Jets next year, but this is an audition for anybody who's going to be a free agent next year to get yeah. some film out. So as far as I'm concerned, this is your opportunity to play. The team's not winning. The team's not going anywhere. It's all about positioning for draft picks. So as a player, you want to go out there and you want to put the best film possible to either A, be brought back to the New York Jets, or B, play well enough that you spark the eye of a GM or a coach from another team that wants to bring you in. So yes, we have all these guys who are out, but the fact of the matter is, is that most of these guys have been around all season long. So there is no excuse for not knowing what to do because you've been in meetings. Now what it comes down to is you got to go out there and you have to play football. So as far as I'm concerned, this is all about who wants to be in the national football league. This is for me, yeah. this is what this game comes yeah. down to. Do you or do you not want to be in the National Football League? And if you're a guy and one of these guys on the COVID list is ahead of you, 
now is your opportunity to shine. So I'm looking to see, it's all about for me, um, you know, I, I believe it's say, um, who wants to be a millionaire or something like that? Mm-hmm. Who wants to be in the National Football League? That's what that, for me, that's yeah. the theme of the New York Jets this week is who wants to play in the National Football League? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. This is the one thing that some fans don't understand because they aren't in the locker room. They aren't around guys like this. Tanking doesn't exist in the NFL because no player is going to intentionally put out bad tape of themselves. No, but the NFL is a business. And that means that teams care about teams and the players care about the players as they should. So if you're Mm -hmm. a player and you're on the Jets and like you're saying, we're losing, we're not winning, we're not going anywhere, you're dang right. My tape is an interview for 31 other teams. My tape is an interview for 31 other GMs that maybe want to trade for me or maybe I'm a free agent and I don't want to come back to this team and I want to go to a winner. Why God better, I better play like it so that winner wants me. I I better put on enough on tape so that these guys actually want to sign me. These, it's the same deal. I'm right there with you. You know, next man up mentality, this is what this is. This is the everybody's a professional. Everybody's getting paid. You know, do you want to be in the National Football League or not? I think that's that's exactly the way to look at it is now's your chance. Put up or shut up. Yep. Yep. No, listen, I agree with you. And I, I think the the other thing that that you look at and, you know, when I was with the Jets, I was there for four years. We made the playoffs three of those four years. Um, after that, I never experienced the playoffs again, but the one thing that I do remember about playing on those teams that we weren't going to the playoffs was if we were playing against somebody that was in a playoff race, I want to mess them up. Yep. No, give, give the media an opportunity to talk good about your team leading up into the playoffs. So for me, I'm like this. We already talked about it. Do you want to be in the National Football League? Well, after this game, you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. After this game, you're playing against the Tampa Bay Bucks and you're playing against the Buffalo Bills. These are teams that are going to come fully loaded because both of these teams are, are in playoff races. Buffalo still is, is still not a lot to be in the playoffs right now. Tampa no, they're is fighting still, just to get in. They're fighting just to get in. Uh, Tampa is fighting for, for not only their division, but possibly for a home field advantage. So if I'm the Jets right now, yeah, we're not going anywhere, but do I want to play in the national football league? And if I really want to get some good film on myself, you need to perform well in this Jacksonville game, especially for the guys who aren't, who aren't used to playing, who will get more playing time. And then, Hey, you have your opportunity against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and, and against the Buffalo Bills to show that you, A, belong in the National Football League, to show the Jets GM and coaching staff that that they should bring you back next year, or you're just pretty much done. So um, while we're getting ready to talk about the Jacksonville game, I really think that there's so many opportunities this week. Although the team isn't going anywhere, this is all about the team's future right now for these last three games. And once again, I, I said it before, I'm going to continue to say it again. Do you or do you not want to play in the National Football League? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I'm going to I'm gonna add something on the side there. Do you or do you not want to coach in the National Football League too? Because the re- last of these three weeks, I think this is Jeff Ulbricht's interview. I think mm-hmm. this might be the 
<laughs> is this going to be the future? And I've said before, and I agree that Robert Sala has a lot more influence on the defense than, than he gets credit for. And that everyone heard that Sala hired his own DC. So that means blame everything on Jeff Ulbrich and Sala's philosophies mean nothing. I don't necessarily agree with that at all, but this is going to be a big test. You got two high powered offenses to close out the year after an offense, quite frankly, that has not been well, not been playing well at all. Trevor Lawrence has thrown one touchdown in his last eight games. This is an opportunity for this defense. You should be beating the crap out of teams like the Jaguars. You should be making Trevor Lawrence look like a rookie. If, if you want to be in the National Football League, if you want to be a defensive coordinator in the National Football League, this should be your time to shine. This should be your time to go out and play great. And to be fair, I think we're seeing some improvement because I thought that the Dolphins game defensively, their issue was execution and tackling, not so much play calling. Their yeah. issue was that they made Duke Johnson look like Marshawn Lynch. And I said yeah. last week, if that happens, if they make the Dolphins backups look great, it's going to be a bad day. And that's exactly what happened. But I don't think mm-hmm. that the play calling itself was overtly terrible. Was it still basic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's just going to be the scheme. That's how it's going to be. But we saw it pay off. Jets got two interceptions off Tua. And Brandon Eccles had a textbook pick six. Shout out to Brandon Eccles. I'm going to keep singing his praises until people listen about how good this guy kid actually is for a six round rookie. But mm-hmm. I I want to see improvement from the entire coaching staff. And Robert Sala will not necessarily be playing in this game. But what is it going to say about your culture to miss yeah. a game? To have your to an interim coach step in? How's your locker room going to respond? How are they going to respond when you get back? How are you going to respond when you get back? Our, there was a Sala punting um, early in the end of the fourth quarter in the Miami game where I felt like they should have went for it. And they should have, if they didn't get it, you're pinning them back deep or, or you're, you're, you know, you're hoping to, to get into a good situation. They, they punted. I want to see game planning improvements. I want to see game management improvements. There's auditions everywhere. These last yeah. three weeks, they are not in the playoffs, but they are still important. They still matter. Yes. These every single one of these games matters. Every single one of these plays matters, and it matters for everybody. Uh, so that's that's the important thing is that even though things may seem down, even though there may be issues in the team here or there, for one reason or another, you still got games to play. You still got to put tape out there, and the league is always watching. Yes, yes. No, listen, I I, I agree with you, and I think that's going to lead for me to my my first point is they're looking at the offensive side of the ball is get off to a fast start like you did last week. Yeah. I, for me, that is the that is the number one key. Jacksonville's record is not good, but I like that. I, I like their defense. I think their defense flies around. I think their yes. defense is 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 a defense that doesn't get support from their offense. Um, kind of like the Jets. I think at times yeah. the Jets defense plays like against Miami. I think the Jets defense at times plays really well, but you know, you go back to, to a stat that I looked at where they hadn't scored a touchdown since like week 13 in the second quarter leading up into this game. So it's, it's one of those things where I like Jacksonville's defense. I think that Jacksonville is going to play a defense that's similar to what Miami plays. If you line up tight, Jacksonville is going to bring everybody down in the box, stop the run game, knowing that you have a quarterback that, that, throws the ball late to wide open guys. So for me, the the first point for me is get off to a fast start offensively. You know, do what you did last week. 
force the run game, let the run game be the foundation. And you saw what happened once you went with the run game to play action. It gave Zach Wilson more time. It gave him more space. It created different lanes for the defense. So um, get off to a fast start offensively. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That can never hurt. And we've seen that Zach Wilson plays better when he can get into an early rhythm. And when he can get comfortable early, that seems to be when he plays, uh, plays his best. I completely agree that that would be the best way to go about everything would be to try and get out a fast start on offense. And one of the ways that I think you do that, and it's not something the Jets have done this year, but you're getting towards the end of the season. Teams are pretty keyed in on your tendencies. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta change things up. We talked about it. Who's the explosive guy on this team right now? It's Braxton Berrios. I think you got to try and scheme up some deep shots for him. Let's see if he can get down the field. The, the switch release plays that you would run with Elijah Moore, where he starts stacked on the inside, and then they have the outside go out and the wheel come behind it. And we've seen Elijah Moore get open for that a handful of times uh, this year. Let's call that with Berrios. Let's, what, instead of just supplanting the jet motion stuff, and the underneath stuff that Elijah Moore does with Barrios. Let's see if he can get down the field a little more because you're right. In the yeah. second half, the Dolphins started crowding the box. They started bringing everybody up front. They basically put 11 in the box and put their safeties eight yards deep. And because the Jets had no threat of the deep ball, they had no mm-hmm. threat that the Dolphins would get beat over top, let alone worrying about blocking it long enough to even get the ball off. They weren't worried that any of the guys were going to be able to get open on them anyway. And I'm not so scared of the Jags defense in the way of the the same way as the Miami defense. I agree that they're similar. I agree that they will play you the same way and they got some guys that can fly around, but I'm a lot more scared of Xavier Howard than I am a Shaquille Griffin. And, And I'm sitting here going, I think you can get some shots. And I think if you don't take your shots and you don't try and do it early enough, it's going to be like what we just saw, which is load the box, play up front, keep everything and shut down the run. And then if they're putting a, a 10 guys towards the line of scrimmage and they're getting two yard stops on the run game on early downs, then I'm worried that Michael floor goes into his, well, now I have to go shotgun pass at second and eight and the cycle starts all over again. So I think yep. you got to change things up. And while I agree that you got to keep your foundation, you got to run the ball. You got to establish, you know, what you do as your core. I think you got to take some deep shots and the guy I'm throwing to is Barrios. Yeah, listen, I agree with you. I'm I'm with you 100% on that, um, which that goes right into my next point is start Barrios. Barrios needs to be on the field. It's just just that simple. I think that right now at this point, I think that he's a better, he's he's a more dangerous wide receiver than Cole is. I think he's more dangerous than Mims. I mean, he is a guy that that gives you, he he gives you like he he he's a workhorse. That's what he is to yeah. me. He's a guy that can go deep, so he's going to put pressure on you. He's also a guy that you can run your reverses with, but he's also a guy that you could throw a hitch route to a five yard hitch route that can make a guy miss and break it for fourteen yards. So that what you said leads perfectly for my next point is feature burials. You said it. When we had Elijah Moore, there were things that we were able to do with Moore. I think that you do the same thing, some of the same things with Berrios. I'm tired of seeing Berrios come in for a play, make a, make some yards, make something exciting happen, and then he goes to the bench. Yeah. Like, quite frankly, I'm tired of seeing it. And I'm going to be honest with you. Jets fans may not like this, but I will tell you this. I don't know what Berrios' contract situation is right now, but I will tell you this. 
He is a wide receiver that if he was with the New England Patriots, that offense would be a huge problem right now. When you think about the West Walkers of the world, you yeah. know, for me, when you, hell, when you think about Wayne Quebec, I mean, come on now. When you think about Wayne Quebec and you're going to put Barrios in the game, have him make a play, and then put him on the sideline for wide receivers that aren't even going to come off the ball hard? No. This game, outside of featuring the run game, you need to force the ball to Barrios. However it works, get the ball to Barrios. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, his contract is interesting. He's an underrafted free agent after this year. Mm. So I'm doing everything in my power to bring him back. I'm doing everything in my power to keep this guy on the team. Braxton Berrios, again, I'm going to say this, and I'll say it over and over. I have no problem saying this. He proved me so wrong, I can't even admit it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it blows my mind how wrong I was about Braxton Berrios. I really thought he was going to be the odd man out in this receiving core to start the year. I really thought mm-hmm. that they liked Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith, and they were a little more explosive, and they had the opportunity to be a little more overall well-rounded as players. I was wrong. I was completely and totally wrong, and I'll gladly admit it, because Braxton Berrios is a complete player. He is a functional slot receiver, inside or outside. He can make plays with the ball in his hands short. He can get open and create separation. I think he can be effective on some deeper routes if you give him the opportunity to do so. And he is an excellent, excellent, excellent return man. This is a guy you want on this team. I mean, this is yeah. becoming the 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 believe in Braxton Barrios podcast real quick, but but I'm I'm fine with that because this yeah. is the guy right now that I think is the is the spark plug of your offense. And without Elijah Moore, you need somebody else that can do it. I think it's Braxton Barrios. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. What was your uh, what was your next point? Yeah, uh, my next point, uh, we already talked about deep shots. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on the offense. I don't spend too much time on this game in general because I think it could be tough with the injuries and, and everything else. But my last point on offense, uh, very, very simply, is fight fire with fire. And what I mean by that is that I think that the Jags defense, from a stylistic standpoint, is similar to the Jets defense. And so you can beat them with some of the same concepts that beat the Jets. So throw Mm -hmm. some more screens. Let's try and get Carter and Coleman the ball on some screen passes. Let's call some trap runs. Have the Jets called a single trap run all year? They've been beaten by it countless times, but have they ever called it against any other teams? They'll call pin and pull. They'll call power. They'll call outside zone. They'll call everything else under the sun. But I'm just waiting to see them call that trap run and let Michael Carter cut behind the B gap and get up upfield. I think there are some simple concepts that you can use to get some free yards on this defense because it's decently inexperienced. It's a young defense as well. They are aggressive. They fly around when they are not playing a, a blitzer heavier type of scheme. They're usually a cover three base. And if they're going to be a cover three base, then quite honestly, then this should be a, a defense that you know how to beat. Michael Ford, you've been practicing against this for years and years in San Francisco before this, and now with Robert Sala in New York, I think you can have the opportunity. And the last thing I'm going to say, these kind of went hand in hand, which is why I'm combining them. Zach Wilson, you should know what to do. You shouldn't, you should be, this shouldn't be a complicated defense for you to worry about. This, this isn't Tennessee. You know, this isn't when New Orleans, 
where you're worried about disguise or you're worried about, you know, guys lining up one way or, or this, this isn't going to be a defense that's just going to outright, even with your injuries, this isn't going to be a defense that's going to outright over talent you. You're not just going to get consumed by the talented Jaguars defense. This is a defense that you should be able to have success against. This is Mm -hmm. a defense that you should be able to be the better team against because quite honestly, the Jaguars are one of, if not the worst teams in the NFL. And if you Mm -hmm. can't look like the better team against them, then you got issues. Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think that that ties right into my last point and my last point. And I've said it, week after week um and some way or another my next point is this i don't want to see any of that college stuff all these all of these you know send a wide receiver over here and then run him into the backfield I'm, I'm, i don't want to see any of that we're asking wilson to be an nfl quarterback and i want to see him run an nfl offense that would be my last point on offense. Get away from all this college crap, all these yeah. long motions that, I mean, you're talking about running motions that basically takes two plays away from your wide receiver because you got them running so many different motions. Line up, run an NFL-style offense. That's what I want to see. Do a basic motion. If you want to motion a guy across the formation to the slot, do that. But all of this motion him over and then have him come, I'm tired of seeing that. We're asking Zach Wilson to be an NFL quarterback, then I want to see him run an NFL style, NFL style offense. So just, just to kind of recap offensively, I, I think we're both in agreement. We want Berrios in the game, and we want him getting the ball. Yeah. It's very simple. We want him in the game. We want him getting the ball. We want to see an offensive – we want to see an NFL, NFL style offense. All right? And then we want to add in some traps. But once again – Going under center is what's going to give you your traps. Yes, you exactly. can run trap from, from, exactly. from shotgun, but I really want to see them continue. Well. Yes, I want to see them continue with what they started out the, the, this last game with, and that's put Zach Wilson underneath the center. So that's where we are offensively. Um, for me, defensively, I, it, listen, Shaholt, Treadwell, and Marvin Jones, that is who beats you. I do not think that Robertson is a better runner running back than Duke Johnson. And yes, Duke Johnson can still run the ball. Apparently. uh, I don't think that, and yes, I I don't think that Robinson is the style of runner that Duke Johnson is. So for me, defensively, it comes down to this. Put pressure on Lawrence and do not allow Shaholt, Treadwell, and Marvin Jones to beat you deep down the field. That would be my first point. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're kind of in lockstep here because my first point is trust your corners. You, they played a great game against the Dolphins. D- Bryce Hall mm-hmm. had gave up a touchdown like you talked about where he got beat on the slant. And to his credit, there was a third down later in the game, exact same formation, exact same play. Bryce Hall gets isolated to the left on Devontae Parker, and they call a slant, and Bryce Hall breaks it up. Mm-hmm. So there's improvement. There's, I got beat and I immediately learned. And you could, you know, set example of that. Brandon Eccles played the best game of his career. And I mentioned it before, uh, beforehand about him not getting the credit he deserves. But let's remember what happened the first time the Jets played the Dolphins and Isaiah Dunn was the corner. Yes, yes. And look at the difference. Yes. Look at the difference in the Jets pass coverage with Brandon Eccles at outside versus Isaiah Dunn outside. Brandon Eccles is going to be one of the starting corners on this team next year. I think they have their two starters. I think Hall and Eccles are your starters. 
And I think the Jets are perfectly comfortable with that. And quite honestly, I think they've earned it. I think they've earned it. I don't think this isn't just, oh, they like these guys and they've been getting toasted and all of this. No, Brandon Eccles has been put in some of the tougher situations of any corner in the NFL this season, never backed down, has continued to improve and just played the best game of his life, ended in a pick six and NFL rookie of the week winner. Mm -hmm. Trust these guys. Trust them. I'm not, I agree. The guys that'll beat you will be Chenault Jones. And um, it was the last guy you mentioned and Treadwell. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Those will be the guys that'll beat you. I'm also not that scared of them. Yes. I'm also, I'm also not that scared of them. I, they will be the guys that beat you, but they're not terrifying mm-hmm. me. I can, I trust that Brandon Eccles can, can man up on Laquan Treadwell. I trust that Bryce mm-hmm. Hall can take Marvin Jones. I trust that, that we can get the LaVisca Chenault in, in a bag. I'm trust these corners and Michael Carter, the second being out is going to be, is going to hurt. But like yes. you're saying, next man up, Time to step in. Javelin Gidry, it's your time. You've had some up games. You've had some down games. But now it's your time. You're going to come in back into the start, into the slot role where you're, I think, more comfortable. Go ball mm-hmm. out. And so that's my first point is trust your corners because I think they've earned it. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> I think you're right. We're, we're, we're right on the same page here because my next point goes right into trusting your corners which is I want to see you bring more pressure. I got to see more pressure, bring more yep. blitzes. You know, I, I I don't think, put it this way. I think that Trevor Lawrence with this wide receiver core, if you give him time, he will pick this defense apart. I, I like Trevor. I, I like Trevor Lawrence. Yes. He has some improvement to do, but, but he is a guy that I do believe that if you give him time and these are all veteran wide receivers that he has, if yep. you give him time, he will pick you apart. So my next point leads right into your, your first point, which is trusting the corners. You show me that you trust the corners by bringing pressure. Do not allow Trevor Lawrence to get comfortable. Make sure you bring pressure. Allow our cornerbacks to play man-to-man. Um, and and is, uh, Gentry, Gentry he, he's got to show up. He, he, he has to step up. If you're a young guy on this defense, what you're playing for right now you're playing to tell the coaching staff, we don't have to go out here and get an older vet to come in and do this. That's what yep. we're talking about. And when I'm talking about that player specifically, he needs to step up because every time I see him on the football field, there's this one common thing. I see number 40 from the Jets on the field. I see number 40 getting beat. Can't have that. Can't have that. So for me, my second point is bring more pressure. Yeah, we're in lockstep. That was my last point too. It was exactly was my last point was Blitz Lawrence. Don't let him sit and get comfortable. Don't let him just sit in the pocket because you're right. I think he can pick this defense apart. Trevor Lawrence has seen cover three before. Trevor Lawrence, that's not new. The Jets, like we talked about with the Jags defense, this isn't something that, you know, is all that complicated. Well, let's be completely objective and, and look at it from the other side. If you're Trevor Lawrence, you're saying this is the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. I can beat them. I, I can I can know what they're going to call. And from a talent perspective, I think the Jets might have a little bit of an edge. But based off the numbers, it doesn't say that. So I think that if you're looking at it from the Jacks perspective, you're going, we can beat this defense too. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, if you're going to call the same stock coverages, I'm going to know how to beat it. I'm going to, I'm going to know where to go with the football. I'm not going to be confused by, by stock cover three and cover six. But if the Jets blitz him, now things get even. 
Now yes. I think you're starting to level the playing field out a little bit. And you got to treat yes. Lawrence like a rookie quarterback, like he still is. Any other mm-hmm. team that's going against the rookie quarterbacks, they're going to make their lives hell. They're going to do mm-hmm. everything in their power to say, welcome to the NFL, kid. This is what you're going to have to deal with. The Jets, mm-hmm. I don't think, do that to any quarterback, let alone any rookie quarterbacks. This might be the week to start. And like we talked about, yep. you know, do you want to play in the National Football League? Do you want to coach in the National Football League? You got to beat teams like this handily. You mm-hmm. got to th- – this – to end, I think this will be a good point before we get into bets of the week. If the Jets don't very clearly look like the better team, and I know they're injured. I know. I know they got COVID issues. I know. Urban Meyer was just the coach of this team. We need to yeah. be very frank about this team and what they are, the quality of coaches they have had, the level of talent they have, and where they are as a franchise. If the Jets don't clearly yeah. look like the better team on Sunday, there's problems. Yes. Yes. Yes, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and my last point on on this, um, as we get into our picks, <clears throat> we talked about both. We want to see more pressure. You have to be disciplined in the screen game because yeah. if we're bringing pressure as an offensive coordinator, you're going to throw in some screens in there. So I'm not going to talk about tackling because we already know for weeks that the Jets have to do a better job of tackling. Yeah. All right? Um, you have to be disciplined in the screen game because I do think that Robinson in space, he can hurt you. Um, and so with them wanting to get him the ball, you really have to be mindful and disciplined in the screen game. But I agree with you 100%. If 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 the Jets come out here, regardless if, if the head coach is playing or not, at the end of the day, is Zach Wilson due to play? Is Berrios due to play? Is Crowder due to play? Uh, is is more Moses Moses is is he due to play? Yeah. Do we have anybody on the offensive line that's that's COVID? Bant COVID is questionable with a knee injury, and Barrett Tucker has COVID. Okay. At the end of the day, when it comes down to it, majority of our ballers are going to be out there. Both of our corners are going to be out there. Exactly. The whole linebacker core is going to be out there. The defensive line is going to be out there. Everybody on on defense has had some type of playing time. Everybody on offense has had some type of playing time. Both of our running backs are there. So at the end of the day, and this is going to lead into my my first pick. I mean, my pick of the week. Um, I've gone back and forth on this. I've gone back and forth on this on what my pick is going to be. You said that they have it at an even. I'm going to say pick them or Jets minus one and a half. Pick them or Jets minus one and a half. I'm going to say this. I think that this is the last opportunity this season, let's be honest, for the Jets to pick up a victory. I don't think that they're going to tank. I hope that they don't tank because, quite frankly, and and you would know this better than me, um, with regards to what you do with podcasting and the offseason, the draft and things of that nature, I really don't think that there's anybody in the draft that you need to tank for right now. I really don't. I think this team, this offseason, needs to get more veterans. So with that said, I'm going to steal a page out of your book. Okay. Going to the offense. I'm going to take the Jets at home. Give me the Jets at a minus six. I really think the Jets win this game, regardless of what the situation is. I think the defense does step up. Um, 
And I like what I saw from the Jets starting out that game against Miami. I'm saying that these are the Jets and the Dolphins are teams that this is the second time that these two teams have faced one another. So they're kind of familiar with one another. Whereas Jacksonville is coming up from Florida or coming into New York. I think that this is a game because regardless of who we have out, at the end of the day, majority of our ballers are playing. So I'm saying that the Jets are going to win, and I'm going to take the Jets at a minus six. I'm going for that plus. Yeah. Wow. You are uh, you're definitely taking a page out of my book. In fact, you're outdoing me this week. Uh, my my pick was an alternate spread, and I'm taking the Jets minus three because they had it set as a pick 'em. And my thought was, if the Jets win this game, I think it'll be by at least a field goal. Uh, so if the spread's going to be a pick them or a minus one and a half, then I feel comfortable bumping that up minus three. I think I had it technically at minus two and a half so that the field goal would hit it. Uh, and that yeah. would be plus plus one ten. But if you, I think this could be kind of a two for one for us, where if you're looking yeah. at it and you're somewhat confident in the jets, take the jets minus two and a half. It'll get you at plus plus one ten. If you're more confident, like Lamont is you take the jets minus six, that's at plus plus one eighty five. I, I think you can, I think these are solid bets. And because I think the last thing that I want to mention here is we cannot discredit the damage that Urban Meyer did to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. And that yes. what his coaching staff did, let alone from culture, let alone from media noise, let alone from all of that, the quality of coaching that these players have been receiving for the past 14, 15 weeks and months prior to that in the offseason was mm-hmm. not good. Yes. And that matters. That has an impact on a team. Just because Urban Meyer's not in the building anymore, the Jags can't snap their fingers and and just all of a sudden not be coached by him anymore. There's Mm -hmm. things that have happened that are going to take time, habits that are going to have to to get out of. And yes, the whole team, you know, then when the bad guy is gone, you get a little bit of that deep breath and and sometimes the team can kind of rebound. That doesn't last. That lasts for one week. And then it's back to reality. And then it's back to the NFL and you're back to the grind and you're on the road and you're going up to New York. If, like I said, this is going to be the point that I'm going to end on. If the Jets are not clearly, clearly the better team on Sunday, we have problems. Yes. Yes. No, I listen. I I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and that's why I'm going, that's why I'm taking them at the minus six. Yeah, this is your last opportunity to get a win. You're not going to beat Tampa. You're not going to beat Buffalo. This is an opportunity for you to get a win against a team, like you said, that quite frankly, I don't think you're bringing anybody back from Jacksonville's coaching staff. Whereas where you look at the Jets, the Jets, they're just getting started. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. There is reason to be excited about the future of the Jets. There, There are reasons to be excited about the future of the Jets. You can basically wipe all of those reasons out if you go out here and you lose a home game to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are playing with an interim head coach that's been dealing with turmoil from the time that they hired the head coach that they just fired. And you're dealing with your, what, second pick overall yeah. um, at the quarterback position. So, yeah, this is a game that, 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 that the Jets, they have to win. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah on the team that's not going to the playoffs that this is a must-win game. No, but I, I agree. Think it is. This is a must-win game for the Jets. I agree. It's 100% a must-win game. This is a building block. This is the Jets yeah. have been so bad for so long, have been at the bottom of the barrel for so long. There's tears in the NFL 
there's tiers of teams. You have the guys at the very, very bottom. You got the teams that are, are improving, coming out of the basement somewhat better. That'll handle the teams that are at the bottom, but then lose when they get against anybody a little higher. You got the teams that can't get over the hump that, that beat everybody they should, and then lose to the teams they shouldn't. And you know, there's, there's levels, there's levels right now. The jets mm-hmm. are at the bottom and they've been at the bottom yeah. for a long time. If you want to improve, if you want to get out of the basement of the NFL, you got to beat the basement dwellers. You yes. got to not be a basement dweller. You got to mm-hmm. you got to be the bully. You cannot be roped in with teams like the Jaguars or teams like the Texans or teams like the Lions this season or anything else. And your record right now is indicating that you are because that's what you've earned. So if this yeah. is if you are not that type of team anymore if you are building the culture to to succeed to build a winner it's not going to happen overnight it is going to take time teams got to learn how to win before they can learn how to win big there's it's going to to be a process but this is the first step this is this is the we can end the season on a positive note by saying that even with our head coach down even with multiple players out because of COVID, even with injuries, other places before any illnesses that we beat a team that we should have beaten because we are the better team and we are the better coach team. It's that simple. This is the NFL. Do you want to play in the NFL? Do you want to coach in the NFL? That's been the theme of the episode this week. And I think that it's going to be the theme for the game as well. Yes, man. Hey, listen, I agree with you. Um, Hey, look, I think this was just once again, another good show. Yes, sir. Another good show. I think that this is a, you know, two weeks in a row that the Jets have an opportunity to pick up a win. And, um, you know, I think that we will, this is a week that from our picks, I think we get back on track. I think we I both think so. hit our week. I think the Jets come away with this victory. And uh, it's really just a matter of just waiting for Sunday in the seat. Um, for our fans, I want to thank you all for listening in. I'm Lamont Jordan. Catch me on Instagram, Lamont Jordan underscore 34, or you can catch me on Twitter at, at Coach Jordan 34. Yeah, absolutely. Second in here. Uh, definitely think this can be a winnable game. Hoping that Jets will give us a win for Christmas. Uh, it'll be a nice little extra present there. Um, I'm Andrew Golden from Jets X Factor. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 on Twitter as well. Make sure you guys check out uh, the Oklahoma Drill podcast, my other show, as well as follow this show at Believe in Jets on Twitter. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be back on track with bets. Hopefully the Jets will be back on track with a win and we can head into the season, uh, head towards the end of the season with some smiles, look ahead to the off season with some hope and rather instead of despair. But until then, we will see what happens. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.